It's two more Saturdays until football, so we're going to get defensive. That's right. Defense, defense, defense. Might get a little over the top, so sit back, crack a beer, and listen as we extol the virtues of Scotty Hazleton and Harlan Barnett. Oh, we're going to punch up one Greg Marshall, and of course, take your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my co-host, who views food only as a means of caloric intake, Kevin Greck. Greckers, buddy, how you doing? I'm good. Today's caloric intake was in celebration of Canadian Thanksgiving. So it was, of course, poutine, Scots to be. So uh, I'm full up. I'm full up on carbs and uh, dairy. It's fantastic. Great. If uh, a little inefficient, I will say. A little heavy. Oh, my God. On stop, stop. A little bit too much flavor from that you know gravy material that we put on it. it and I need to, of course, and- introduce the person who's fully <laughs> filling out his recurring role, the co-host <laughs> whose dogs is streaming feces as often as he's streaming the coach's interviews, Alex Plum. Plum. Uh, when you're not shoveling the hot and wet, how's your week been? Is my hot and wet like the gravy that uh, Greg was just referencing? <laughs> mm. I, I really can't poor tell. Poor Yali. Mm. You know, I will say the poor thing. She had the Giardia, thought we went through it. And maybe we haven't. Um, I don't know. I'm just uh, throwing back the strohs tonight, and uh, we're going to get through it. Great. Uh, Greg, it, well, well. Trial by fire here with uh, dog ownership mm-hmm. uh, right out of the gate. While we are checking down the list of drinks, Greg, what are you having this evening to drink? It's a Budweiser. It's the king of beers, my man. Great. And it comes in a 16-ounce can because I don't mess around with 12-ounce anymore. My God. I'm in a post-12-ounce environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it. I am, in the meantime, having a Willie's Super Brew hard seltzer, which is the first cold weather hard seltzer, which is a pear and cinnamon. It's quite delicious. But moving on before Greg can say anything, I want to thank all of our listeners, of course, for listening. If we could ask you the small favor, please share the podcast with Spartans in your life. That is, you know, retweet it, share it, Facebook it. We're not on the Facebook. You can Facebook it for us. Uh, That'd be great. On Thanks. Twitter, we need to get on Facebook. Uh, follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan Pod. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We do genuinely appreciate those ratings and reviews. Don't really care what you say in the review. Just give us five stars. Uh, the old used car dealer approach. <laughs> what can I do to make this a five-star review, huh? What can I, what's it going to take? Uh, what do we need? Greg, I'm going to sideline you for the moment. Plum, tell the folks <laughs> what they can expect out of the show this week. Well, we have a wonderful run-up per usual every week here at Can't Read, Can't Write. We start with the green wall where football always leads. This week, obviously, we're going to go heavy on defense and really uh, frame out what we've got and, uh, at least for two more weeks before we get really into it. Then we'll head off Grand River, see what's going on around the country uh, as it relates to sports. We try not to get political, but hey, you never know. Sometimes when Greg's uh, 16 ounces catch up to him, then we are really kicking. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, it's king of beers. 
We'll uh, we'll punch up a few sponsors, maybe even a not a sponsor, before we head off into no dumb questions, just dumb podcast hosts, where we like to take uh, one topic, one theme, uh, one concept popular in the parlance of the sporting world, uh, and unpack it a little bit as we achieve a little bit better um, literacy in uh, in our sports lingo. And then, of course, we round it out with Twitter questions. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Um, great. Let's head uh, behind that green wall. And, you know, as Plum promised, it is it is time to, you know, last week we we did our best at at previewing the offense. I think we got a little more organized this week to preview the defense. Um, it's two more Saturdays to football. Greg, uh, so what can we expect out of a preview? Uh, for wait, what? What? Uh, uh, that that was your cue to transition over. I'm gonna go ahead and start talking about the coaches. Yeah, Jonesy, tell us about the coaches. What what's going on with the coaching staff <laughs> for football coaching staff? Tell us, tell At us all. Time, I said we were more prepared. Um, all right. So, look, uh, we we are gonna go through each of the position groups, but before we do that, I think it's important for us to first look at what the defensive coaching staff is going to look like this year. And, and there's obviously a lot of questions with a new staff in place, what the, um, what the system is going to be, what the formations are going to look like. I think it's, it's first, first worth mentioning. And I know we've said it on the pod before, but this defensive staff is stacked. Um, Ells, uh, who is the special teams coordinator and the inside linebackers uh, coach, was is a former D coordinator for Purdue. Scotty Hazelton, obviously current D coordinator, but former D coordinator at uh, Wyoming and Kansas State. Mike Tressel, uh, who is doing cornerbacks, is he cor- it's safeties? Cornerbacks doesn't really matter. Obviously former former D coordinator for Michigan State. Former uh, uh, head coach. Indeed. Temporary head coach. Uh, Safeties. Safeties. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Just just also keep saying safeties throughout my time talking. (laughs) Safeties. Safeties. Uh, Harlan Barnett, uh, also former Michigan State defensive coordinator and former Florida State defensive coordinator. Not safeties. And we are coached. (laughs) Uh, And we... We are coached by Mel Tucker, who has, you know, uh, who's made his name as a D coordinator. So defensively, this staff is stacked. Now, the the sort of important question heading into the season is, what is this defensive system going to look like? We know that under Mark D'Antonio, he utilized what's known as a 4-3 system. Four is in reference to the number of uh defensive linemen who are sort of down and then three is the number of linebackers uh mel tucker we know uh, has used both but seemingly prefers a three four system which is three defensive linemen and four linebackers um and scotty hazelton we know comes from generally speaking a four three system uh though has utilized a a more complicated nuanced uh four two five um and uh and oftentimes has had a up defensive lineman on passing scenarios so the the point being that they're inheriting a bunch of guys who have played in a 4-3 system 
And it sounds like the coaches are going to use the talent where they have it mm-hmm. and will try and incorporate over time some of the 3-4 system. Uh, so we expect to see from Scotty Hazleton a largely 4-3 front, hybriding in and transitioning over to that 3-4 over time. Um, go ahead, Greg. And, I mean, Scotty Hazleton he's got a history of doing this, right? He's got a reputation for coming into programs and taking the personnel that's already there and then making hay with it, so to speak. Yeah, that's a great point. So in 2019, uh, Scotty Hazleton was the, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas state, uh, Wildcats. And they were, they moved from 49th, in points per game given up to 27th in one year under Scotty Hazleton's tutelage. They improved from 61st in what's known as, which is an advanced metric known as SP plus to 47th in 2019. Um, Before being at uh, KSU, Hazleton was the defensive coordinator at at Wyoming. um, And he was there from 2017 to 2018 and oversaw some very substantial improvements to, to give this a contrast in 2015 and 2016. So the two years prior to Scotty Hazleton being there, Wyoming ranked 101st and 102nd respectively in points per game that they allowed in the two seasons that that Scotty Hazleton uh, coach Wyoming ranked ninth and 29th in points per game allowed a massive jump in quality. Um, so with that, I, I, I think we can expect to see a lot of what we saw under Mark D'Antonio, but I, I would expect to see an evolution over the years. So, uh, or, or not years, <laughs> certainly over the years, but over the weeks of, of the season and, and start seeing some wrinkles early and, and increasing as the season goes on. So let's start out with, uh, looking at our position groups, I, mm-hmm. we're going to do this in reverse order so that I don't just talk for, for an extended period of time. Uh, I'm going to turn this to Grek first and start with our defensive backs. So we're going to start with the backfield moving yeah. forward to the defensive line. So Grek, what can we expect out of a historically strong secondary under Mark D'Antonio? Yeah, well, the first thing of note is that Kari Willis, Josiah Scott, and David Dell are gone this year. And those are three names that if you're a Spartan fan, you definitely know, particularly Josiah Scott and Kari Willis. So uh, that that's a big hole to fill, and it's going to be largely done by committee. Uh, Xavier Henderson is your lone returning starter in the defensive backfield. And the fortunate thing about our friend, Xavier or X as he uh, is known on the team uh, is that he returns with 83 tackles last season, second most on the team. So he's a guy that came in, took starting minutes as a true freshman uh, and kind of hasn't looked back. Uh, And now that position group is kind of his in the vacant free safety spot. We're, we're looking at a number of people kind of filling that out. You've got Michael Dowell, uh, Emmanuel Flowers in the mix. Uh, it sounds like uh, uh, Darius Snow, speaking of true freshmen coming in and potentially taking minutes, could be teed up to do that type of thing himself. Uh, the coaching staff really likes Darius Snow. And as uh, recruiting folk will remember, he was one of the higher regarded players from last year's class. So 
It's going to be a very interesting defensive uh, position to watch. Uh, and we haven't even mentioned people like Dom Long, who's been playing well. Uh, you know, Gervin's been playing well. And some dude named, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what his name is, Julia Berni, I think, something like that. I've never heard <laughs> oh, of this don't guy. Even. Don't never even. heard of this guy. Don't know who he is. Apparently switching over from the wide receivers, so he can't be that good. Um, <laughs> Jones, have you ever heard of this gentleman, Julian Barnett? I have indeed. People know that I am a stand for life for, for Julian Barnett. Um, and I believe Scotty Hazleton said he makes progress every single day and said he's quite excited about him. Um, was he five star or four star? He's a four star. But by all accounts, Julian Barnett is the single best athlete on the team. That's what we keep hearing, right? So it's going to be good to get him. I mean, they moved him to wide receiver just sort of to exploit that fact. And now they're going to move him back to kind of a position that he prefers to play and is more comfortable in. So, uh, I mean, expect Julian Barnett to be spending a lot of time on the field, you know, this fall and early winter. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, Someone who this doesn't necessarily fit into the the defense, right? But Angelo Gross is someone who was um, a highly regarded. I mean, I don't expect him to see time in on the defense, but Angelo Gross was a highly regarded recruit uh, uh, under D'Antonio's last class that I would expect to see time on special teams. But mm-hmm. I think we're gonna we're gonna do some special teams preview next week um, and game preview hand that's right uh game preview guys we're gonna make you game preview through by putting in front of twitter questions from now on uh all right uh greg that's a great outline of our defensive backs plum uh what can we expect out of our linebackers for this upcoming season you know the linebackers it seems to be a position group that we know the most about uh in terms of who is who's likely to start but maybe we could say little to nothing uh, largely about who might be cycling through for some additional reps. Uh, so I guess for starters, at least you take Antoine Simmons, three-year letter winner. He's got 156 career tackles, most of any active Spartan entering the 2020 season. I think he's someone you can hang a lot of expectation on. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great hairstyle too, by the way, look yeah, it up. Of course. Um, you got Chase Klein, uh, kid redshirted uh, uh, in um, in 2018. So uh, redshirt freshman last last season played in all 13 games to get that first letter. Um, had 12 tackles, so a, a pretty good pretty good run there. Uh, ranked second on the team with nine tackles on special teams. So can show up big yeah. when you need him to. And then you got Noah Harvey. Um, he's given us four years in the program. He's played in 25 games, 51 tackles, including five for for losses. Uh, a, a, about 24 yards. So the, the guy is good. Three sacks. What, what's going to be interesting to see is how the staff decides to line these guys up. Um, when you consider the importance of the middle linebacker kind of being sort of on the field coach. Um, and with his experience, you might think it would be no Harvey. The guy's got some size. He's really kind of a steady guy in the middle, but, but then you've got Antoine and, and I think with his accomplishments in the position, it's, it wouldn't be a question to see whether, whether you see him step up into that. So I mean, it's gotta be, sorry to interrupt, but no. it's gotta be no Harvey, right? I mean, well, I mean, his family. Antoine took snaps there last year. But I'm just saying, Noah Harvey, his family's got such good taste in, in Spartan podcasts that, uh, <laughs> that he's got to be the guy in this true. role. His, his dad did tweet us to say that when Bachi was out, Noah Harvey was going to take those snaps. 
That is, that's a fair point. Uh, I, the question is, the question is, Noah could be your guy, but is Antoine going to be your dude? And I think that's going to be the real question that gets answered in, in about two weeks. Or, or is he going to be a football player? We, we haven't even gotten to that. I don't even think well, that's on the outline. That's the next level. I don't, I don't, I can tell you that's well beyond my pay grade and I may have to find a substitute. Um, but so we're talking about Noah, we're talking about Antoine, but I don't want to leave Chase Klein out of the conversation. The guy could well become a fan favorite on defense. Uh, Kenny Willekes once was asked who the craziest guy in MSU's defense was going to be after he left. And he points to Chase Klein. So, you know, you talked Jonesy about your, your, this new sort of three, four, four, three scheme. Um, Scotty Hazleton, when he was at Kansas state used this sort of defensive end standing up certain downs. It's the kind of hybrid player that chase could sort of become that we might expect mm-hmm. Mel Tucker to be recruiting for. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, what, I mean, what are your, what are your observations on that? Is he, is he, is he going to be a guy for us in this sort of role? I think he might be a dude for us in that role. Um, and <laughs> no, I, I, you actually, you raise a really good point in that, uh, you know, we talk about how the, the sort of the four, three, three, four. What what is in common between uh, Scotty Hazelton and and uh, uh, Mel Tucker is that they both would use you know a guy a dude a, a football player as you know whether that's a linebacker that shifts down to play somewhat of a defensive end on the defensive line or a you know in Scotty Hazelton's case it's just a defensive end who's standing up like a linebacker might. It is a is a hybrid esque role, and Chase Klein fits that mold specifically. And mm. it's a glowing endorsement when Kenny Willekes says, "Dude, this guy's insane," and, and and not insane in a good way, but like literally, there's a screw loose up there, and he will do <laughs> anything to hit somebody. Um, so so yeah, no, I I think that's a great breakdown. Um, and uh, is it so? But it's is there anyone that maybe we should keep an eye on for for breaking in and getting additional reps besides those three? I, I mean, it is there's got to be some other name, right? I mean, like maybe Jess yeah. Lord Botang. Yeah, it could be Jess Lord Botang. Uh, if that's even how you pronounce it, um, I think it could be Jess Lord Botang. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't want to tell him how to pronounce his name, but then I also don't not want to not not do it. <laughs> All right. Just so, Lord, if that wasn't how you pronounce your name previously, I mean, give it a look. Give it a look. Yeah. look. I mean, I don't know, but give it a look. So the the place that I you know, I think we we see people leaving um that that were all kind of household Spartan. If you're a Spartan fan, household names. It was Kenny Willekes, Raekwon Williams, uh, and Mike Panashuk are, are are all gone from the program, and so the and Bocci, line, you know from yes and Bocci. I'm talking. I'm transitioning to the D line, Kevin. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, I'm still on linebackers. My brain's still on linebackers. Go yeah, to D line. So yeah. So last year, you know, uh, of the four, sort of maybe. Three of the best five players on the defense were on the defensive line. That is in Raquan Williams, Mike Panashuk, and Kenny Willekes. They uh, and so there's a lot to replace there. Yet the interesting thing is about the defensive line is that is probably where you saw the most cycling of of players in and out, the most substitutions. And so 
we have two players who are going to cycle in at defensive tackle, which is the position that lines up in the middle of the defensive line in Naquan Jones and Jacob Slade. Uh, these guys got plenty of reps last year. There's plenty of film on them. They, they were good enough that you didn't really notice a substantial decrease in play when the starters left the field. Uh, so I think we can feel pretty good about plugging up the middle of the line this next season. The place where there's maybe the most to replace uh, is going to be on the edge because we have Kenny Willekes, who's gone, who played opposite Jacob Panashuk, who's back this year. Jacob Panashuk's back uh, and is probably the most sort of star power returning in some ways on the defensive line. Uh, but was really complimented by the effectiveness of Kenny Willekes. So Jacob's going to have to take a step up this year to be the primary pass rushing attack for MSU's defense. TBD on whether he can do that, um, but is going to have a counterpart in one of three gentlemen. It's likely going to be Michael Fletcher, who's going to be a redshirt freshman, Jack Camper, junior, or Drew Beasley, senior. Uh, likely rounding out the other defensive end spot. Uh, you could see a rotation of these three gentlemen. Uh, it's it's going to be telling to see where the 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 Tucker team, what direction they want to take, uh, because all of these gentlemen have gotten uh, some degree of hype in their time, yet obviously have not quite cracked the rotation. Um, Drew Beasley and Jack Camper, I think, is where you're going to see most reps head to as um as the more tenured of of the group and i believe it's drew beasley that uh scotty hazelton called out as being like jacob panashuk as a guy that is willing to take the criticism take the coaching and mm -hmm. take it in a in a healthy way which they see as a quality sign of leadership for um you know being able to sort of get uh i don't want to say chewed out but like that that you're a willing recipient uh, there was a hype video that came out uh this this past week that i was all about uh where scotty hazelton is is coaching the team and i think this is apropos of the kind of guy that they're looking for the kind of dude if you will and and scotty hazelton is shouting guess what we're gonna get uh there's gonna be a point in the time where we get scored on and we say, and he continues on. We're going to praise you when you do it, did it right. We're going to coach you when you did it wrong. And you should be saying, "Make me better." And it, it sounds like Jacob Panashuk, for all the drama that really kind of went into this past year with him for a moment, mm -hmm. and uh, and Drew Beasley are are the kind of role models that they want to have around for the new guys. On take the coaching. We're going to make you better. Um. Another interesting last point as we wrap up our, our conclusion, and I, uh, you know, I think this is kind of interesting, is that Harlan Barnett was asked to compare this team to a previous MSU team, and he said 2009, which, fine, fine season, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. But those are the guys that made up the 2012 and 2013 seasons, and I know... 2012's record wasn't great, but we lost all of those games by like three to six points. Yeah. And 2013 was not a bad season with Correct. largely the same, the same folks. So I, I think that's kind of high praise 
in a sort of uh, a little bit negging you kind of way. Yeah, it's a setting expectations while at the same time demonstrating that there's potential. Right. Yes. That's what he's trying to say there. I, I agree. Um, I agree. <clears throat> that was the year that, of course, MSU lost to Central second game of the year. Uh, tough game against Notre Dame the following week. I mean, 2009 was was like you said, the year of mostly close losses with a couple of departures from that. And then, God, that Texas Tech Bowl game that we played with like 20 guys. Um, yeah, uh, in all, I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this roster, but there's just, there's so many holes and so many unknowns at the same time. And, uh, I, I don't really care about the defense because next week is special teams and the Mac, the Matt Coughlin hour, really. That's Matt what everyone's here for. This was just a warm up. Yes. Um, which his dad's not going to be not a sponsor this year because I don't know how much flying they're going to be doing. Uh, but uh, let's let's chat about some basketball. Um, Greg, we had some captains named. Uh, what's the story here? Well, there's <clears throat> I mean, there's some names that you would expect to see. There's the Aaron Henry factor, you know, came back, decided not to pursue the NBA. Makes sense. That's a guy that you want to be captain. Of course. There's Josh Langford. There's a guy that uh, there are former student athletes on the football staff that are younger, I believe, than Josh <laughs> Langford. Yep. I think that might be real. Um, and wait for it. And then there's Foster Lawyer. Foster Lawyer. Voted on by his peers, Foster Lawyer as captain of the basketball team. Wait, hold on. Before we move on to break this down, I, I want to break down what we imagine that voting scenario was. Like, team got together. They handed their ballots to Dane Fife, Dwayne Stevens, maybe Coach Izzo. And then they're unraveling the, their ballots. <laughs> like, you, this is you, you Survivor. Can- yeah, and you can see Foster Lawyer is sitting there in the corner. He's, you know, he's not really, he's looking into his hands. His hands are folded in his lap. He like will occasionally lift up a thumb. He chews on the nail, you know, and he's, he's really just trying to look down at the ground. He knows what's coming. He hasn't asked for this, but it is the one thing that he's always wanted. And in some respects, it's the only thing that will ever, ever matter to him again. And, and, <laughs> and Dane Fife is meanwhile, sort of each time he, he unrolls a ballot for, for Foster, he's sort of just doing a, Yes. And Dwayne Stevens is doing a what? <laughs> and, and and then they come over to Izzo and they report the results and, and Izzo whispers back, Are you sure? So I'm assuming that the, the Dane Fife thing that was because of Clarkson, right? And not yes. because Yes. Yeah, yes, that was not remotely guy. racial. It was it's because of Clarkson and, and Dane Fife is who recruited Foster Lawyer. Yes, to be very clear. Uh, so, all right. So of course. What do you think this means for the team? What, what do you think, honestly, it says about Foster Lawyer and, and how he fits in Spartan lore? I, I think that's, a, that's maybe the more interesting question. But then, of course, there is the question about scholarships. Yeah, there, I mean, there are two guys that aren't a surprise, and there's one that is. Uh, Foster Lawyer, this tells you that the team values Foster Lawyer in a different way than the fan base does. There's a a pretty substantial disconnect there. So even though you, you, you know, 
Foster Lawyer might be a bit of a sieve on defense, you know, like a guy that... <laughs> I like how you just sort of slurred sieve in there so yeah. people didn't hear sieve. Uh, I mean, he's contributing to the team in other ways as such that they decided to make him a captain. I mean, you got it. Gucci. Yeah. I got the belt buckle is so strong. He's just ready to move to Royal Oak in two years. He's ready now. He's probably already got a place lined up. Yeah. Yeah. He's already got, he's, he's already got the whole top room in a, uh, bungalow, uh, house three blocks away. Um, from downtown, ready, think, ready to go. Fifth Avenue every weekend. You think he's uh, going to be working for um, an enterprise car rental, or you think he's going to be trying to sell houses? I mean, what's what's his gig there in Royal Oak? Ooh, you know? Foster the Realtor, I like. That could happen, but I think I think our man is going to commute down to Detroit every day and go to uh, go to Rocket Mortgage. He's yeah. a Rocket Mortgage kind of guy. Dan um, yeah, Dan Gilbert's going to hook him up. $35 billion net worth, Dan Gilbert. Good God. Good God. Anyway, uh, what this means, though, uh, you're probably not going to see a captain uh, transfer or grad, grad transfer. So that makes the scholarship situation interesting, to say the least, right? I mean, this is a guy that I think the fan base had kind of written off as he might be here this year, but he's not going to be here next year. Which, by the way, as we've discussed, you're going to be seeing more of Foster Lawyer than you want fan base. Get used to it. So, uh, and you're going to be seeing him until he graduates. This is it. All of that talk about reclassifications for the class of 2022, there's one fewer. Like, your team captains are not grad transferring. Uh, that seems very unlikely. Barely anyone transfers from MSU to begin with, much less the captains. So, does a captain have to get a scholarship, though? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> can that be the trade-off? I don't know. Why not? You get the C on the sweater, but uh, you're paying for those books, my man. Um, the problem is Foster Lawyer can be a scholarship athlete. He just might not be the best scholarship athlete on this team. So it's, uh, it's interesting. I don't know what this means for, for Boyace. I don't know what this means for Amadi Bates, but, uh, I don't think Foster Lawyer is going anywhere. Um, so that's that's what I took away from this. Did you guys feel similarly? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I also think it's worth saying, though, that, you know, we we talk oftentimes about sort of Spartan values and what we think that means. And I know oftentimes it's it's a conversation that surrounds much uh, bigger issues. Right. Um mm-hmm. But I, I do think there is something to be said for as much flack as Foster Lawyer gets. The dude has been nothing but enthusiastic and a quality teammate. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, some people who played like two minutes at U of M and have somehow cr- captivated a, a Twitter personality um, may create all sorts of things to make fun of Foster. 
but he he embodies a lot of the things that we would ask of any Spartan, whether they're, you know, their, their virtues are athletic or academic. Um, he is, he, he seems to be a great teammate and this seems to be well-earned, um, it, you know, it, it, in a sort of Rudy-esque way where Rudy is not kind of the worst. We can all just feel that we are foster lawyer. And uh, yes, Foster totally Lawyer gives me hope. Puts aside everything about how Foster Lawyer has an incredible shot and like can dunk, even though he's six feet tall and you know all that stuff. I, uh, Jonesy, how's your how's your dunk on my son's uh, Fisher Price hoop? It's fantastic. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's spectacular. Uh, so putting all saying, of that aside, Foster, uh, Foster Lawyer is going to add to the Spartan Lawyer. <laughs> Okay, not funny. Okay, oh, um, it's time to move on. Yeah. It's time to move on. And also, Plum, I think we need to reevaluate your contract after uh, <laughs> after the recording. Yeah. yeah. That for as much as you've contributed, that was your worst. And I, I, I was no I was what I was too. going to say was that he was going to go down in Spartan lore because <laughs> he was going to be the first captain to play without scholarship and he was going to sacrifice that so he could get Imani Bates. And I think that really would be something. Um, we don't you know actually we don't i think remember. i think fosters would would find him if foster would find himself in the michigan state hall of fame if, if he, he indeed said coach don't give me a scholarship let's bring him money here um these are great points worthy of discussion uh but all the same uh foster tip the cap as as for henry and linkford um and it just means that it's it's time to get excited for 2020-2021 hoops. But, but before that, I'm excited about our first sponsor. Indeed. Wow. Uh, you may have noticed we went sponsorless uh, for a few episodes, but we are back with real sponsors. You don't will know- lift up the curtain, Jonesy. Make well, them go re- listen to the tapes. Don't lift up. Don't give it to them. I just want to make God. it very. I want to make it very clear that this is not not a sponsor. Rewind it. We are not that transparent with this audience. That's All a- right. Anyway, ad copy. <laughs> of course, you've heard us talk about our dear friend, Brandon Sands. That's Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, who is a mortgage loan originator who has worked on over 10,000 loans, working for one of the largest mortgage companies in the world that has guaranteed rate. Let's face it, folks. You don't, when it comes to stuff like this, you don't want a boutique lender. You want big time. And Brandon works for one of the big time folks. Brandon, though, sets himself apart with a boutique approach. That is to say, he is a consultative guy. He'll sit down with you, discuss your long term, short term goals, income, credit, yada, 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 numbers, finance, blah, blah, blah. You know, the things that people do when they can own land. Anyway, mortgage rates are very near historic lows. And indeed, if you are paying greater than 4%, you might want to talk to Brandon about refinancing. So if you're in the market to buy a home or perhaps want to think about refinancing, give Brandon a shout. You can find him at rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. Anyone to give a testimonial? Uh, yeah. Uh, I've been working with Brandon and his team, and I've got to tell you, I never would have suspected that they've closed over 10,000 loans because Wait, the personal like touch 
the personal touch was there the whole time. They've got to be dedicating that amount of time to everyone. It's got, they're so good. They're so good. Now, can I sign anyway. up for just the personal touch or do I have to go through the whole rest of the, I'll reach out. I'll ask him. I'll reach out. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth an email. You yeah. know, I'll reach out. Um, but uh, that is that is genuinely true. And so give Brandon a shout. Uh, not the personal touch thing. Well, you know, whatever. Anyway, move on. Uh, Greg reached out. Anyway, not around. Off Grand River. Great. Love smooth transition. Very Just smooth as good as our last smooth. transition. <laughs> <laughs> this is sadly a professional podcast. Uh, all right, Greg, uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to send this over to you. Um, yeah. Because this was a story that, uh, honestly, you know, there there's a lot that happened this week. Yeah. But this sadly slipped under my radar and was a a big time story um, that that seemingly everyone else has moved on from, and we we didn't want to. So go ahead, take it away. Oh yeah, I mean, if you were distracted by the credible threat of assassination uh, of our governor, because that happened this or week. My was- God. Just an, a, a, an, as, having a an aside. <laughs> uh, all of that going on, but also Greg Marshall, uh, head coach of the Wichita State Shockers basketball team, has been getting some mighty bad press. Uh, as it turns out, Greg is a bit of a tyrant. Uh, and it, Not a good guy. It, it's serious. Like, we're kind of making light of it, but uh, he's been accused of punching Shaq Morris, one of his former players. He transferred, uh, punching him in the back as he left to practice. Uh, there's uh, unconfirmed reports that he choked. Uh, uh, what's his name? Linstead, uh, one of the assistant coaches, uh, former assistant coaches, um, taunted. A player of who has Native American descent, uh, telling them to go back on his horse, uh, and uh, and also made some other racially charged uh, comments as well, and then of body shaming also uh, former players, um, and not in a you just need to work out a little bit more, you know, you're not doing your job, but like lifting up his shirt in practice, grabbing you know, parts of people's bodies doing those types of things. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that uh, got Bobby Knight removed at Indiana. Um, So there are more unconfirmed reports. I think uh, one of his former assistant coaches called him a bully to the athletic uh, and a maniac. Um, Just like really manic. Uh, Maniac, I think. Uh, Yeah, we've got the quote here. He's a maniac, a bully. Well, he Yahoo respects people. Yeah, Yahoo Spoge is Yahoo's Pete Tamal is got is on there calling him a deranged coach of, from an eth- ethically challenged university. <laughs> wow, beautiful. I mean, I don't know what else is going on at Wichita State. I don't follow Wichita State honestly, uh, but uh, these are very, very severe accusations, and if they're true, uh, I think we have to. You've got to part ways with Greg Marshall, right? You've got to fire him for this. For you sure. You can't have this. I'm I'm actually super curious. As you were kind of reading through the list of these things, I was thinking about student athletes who transfer 
and mm-hmm. that you know it, despite the NCAA inexplicably granting like every transfer this year despite not transfer granting transfers last year per se people like Joey Hauser um <laughs> but that that there it's not it's not an uncommon sort of uh it's not necessarily said, but that that there's a belief that sometimes there are allegations of of uh, racial mistreatment that leads to transfers. And indeed, we cut a joke that I once made to this effect about Kobe King that later ended up being true. Yep, ended um, up happening. And and so one of the things that I'm very curious about, though, is that you know I don't know I I, I will say purely from a place of blindness that. I don't know what Shaq Morris said during his transfer paperwork, but I can sure bet that he would have been entitled to a transfer if he had said my coach had punched me. But it's deeply disturbing then that if those sorts of things are reaching the NCAA transfer folks and then somehow aren't being, if there aren't consequences levied upon either the university or just like, Hey, by the way, your coach, not allowed to coach anywhere in the NCAA anymore. Like it, that's the piece of this that is from, you know, I don't want to distract from, from Greg Marshall being terrible because he has two mm-hmm. G's in his name. And I think we all need to take a second to say that if you have a Greg with two G's, I've got questions, but well, that's, that's his parents fault, but he also has the means to fix it. So it's not a good look for anyone. This two yeah. G it's really, it's a three G Greg. Because we start with a G as well. It it's a mess. It's a mess. It's, it's a mess. too many G's. I plum plum. What do you think about this? I mean, like I I'm my instinct was to go to the NCAA and how they're terrible, and I don't know that that's fair. Obviously, if any one of these things is true, he should be fired, right? Absolutely, but that's the school's responsibility. The NCAA has shown time and time again that they're not. Well, that's not true. They are in the business of oversight only when it doesn't matter or when the stakes couldn't be lower. Um, in a situation like this, there's way too much on the line, uh, physical abuse, bullying. I mean, you name it. It's, it's, it's uh, frankly, it's shocking. Um, but yeah, I think this is shockers. Huh? Yeah. Oh, there's a second yeah. one. And I didn't even mean to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you're just that good. It's unintentional. I just, I think, you know, I, I think there's something to be said here about a school that like who, which, who, you know, getting thirsty for this, uh, sort of notoriety, you know, they're, they're letting him do whatever the hell he wants. Indiana certainly did for a long time with Bobby Knight. People say, well, back then it was okay. Well, it wasn't. Um, and it isn't now. And at some point someone has to step up and say that. So, um, it's a shame that it has to get this much press coverage before folks will actually take, uh, take action on it. I mean, it's definitely true that Greg Marshall has brought them success. I mean, he's, I mean, advanced deep into the NCAA tournament several times, uh, including the Final Four in 2013. So uh, I think we all know who he is. I think we all know the program as a result of that. But uh, it, uh, let's see, it's been a couple of years. They were in the second round in 2017. They were in the round of 32 in 2016. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I mean, he got them on the map. I definitely didn't know who Wichita state was before. So, um, it's, uh, I mean, Hmm. they, 
the fan base, I'm sure, is going to have difficulty with this. Parts of it, vocal all, parts of it. All 43 of them. Yeah, but it's got to be done. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, let's head from uh, one terrible coach. Actually, hold on. Before we do that, we got to talk about scores this past weekend. Oh, We got to talk about LSU. Let's start with there. Um, LSU lost by quite a bit this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. Uh, was it bad though? Yes, it should be. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to me that you come off of a national championship year and then get dismantled twice. Yeah. Uh, 45, 41 loss at Mizzou, uh, which, uh, you know, Edward Ron's calling embarrassing, embarrassing. They gave up 586 years uh, of total offense. I mean, that is a silly, silly, silly showing silly. And the, <laughs> let's just, it, we'll move very briefly to the big 12. The, Oh, I'm not done with the, I'm not done with the SEC with Alabama oh, and and oh. Mississippi State. Oh, yeah, sure. You know what? Go off on the SEC because we're going to move to our not a sponsor after the after we get to the Big Twelve. Very briefly, we're not going to cover the games, but I think I think the general theme of this bullet point from Off Grand River is what the hell is going on in college football? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, because COVID isn't an excuse. COVID's not an excuse for this. It's nonsense. Well. E- I, I, what what COVID is doing at least at the very least is it's um it's getting everyone to just say whatever the hell is in their minds. There's no more filter. People don't care about facts or social conventions. You've got Nick Saban reporting or uh, claiming rather that Mississippi State stole their signs. That uh, that's the that only way mean? that that that's the only way they ever could have figured out uh, how to stop so many of their their runs and uh, interrupt you know passing schemes and stuff like that. So um, I mean you know and. <laughs> It's just Lane Kiffin, of course, gets back on there and you know, we're one of the fastest teams to reset uh, in the SEC. There's no way, you know, we didn't have time to to operate. We're calling, you know, plays and we're lining up pitching the ball before, well before they're even, you know, making their it's, – it's just, it's just stupid. It's absolutely ludicrous. I think um, Mike Leach did a whole, a whole version of a – what we would call a not a sponsor here about a face mask that he was going to introduce, which was really just sort of – a cloth covering like we would actually call a face mask now <laughs> for COVID. But that the, the idea was like his mocking point was precisely that you mean to t- like, he was making fun of coaches who hold like the play cards over their face when they're talking into their, right. their headset. Right, right, right. It's like, he's like, I didn't know that there was this whole sort of special X-Men breed of people out there who were lip readers who could, lip read that quickly then relay what the lip reading was to the coordinator and then identify the essential substitutions that needed to be take place and then make those substitutions all before the ball got snapped and- you know that uh it's confirmed that northwestern read uh stole signs in the 90s for a couple of years they had nerds yeah <laughs> nerd alert okay. Apparently, MSU was, quote, very easy to steal. Um, 
So. In the 90s? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Saban? Saban 90s? No, this was pre-Saban. This oh. would have been, uh, what's his name? The Departed. Uh, what's his buckets? He was Bobby? like, uh, no. Who was, it? Who was the coach? And then he was an MSU trustee. Um, Joel Ferguson? <laughs> No. Oh my God. We should move on. George Perlis. George Perlis is Perlis. Perlis. I for three years in the MSU trustee booth. I knew it was Perlis. I was messing with you. Anyway, um, but let's talk about the Texas Oklahoma game really quickly because there was I, I think two things are funny about that game. One, the perpetual narrative that Texas is back, and in that game Texas was still ranked though barely. Oklahoma was not. And you watch that game and neither of them is back. <laughs> right. I mean, this re- these rankings are obviously a reflection of uh, the fact that the Big Ten and Pac-12 are not playing. But I think what's more telltale to me is that uh, the Big 12 is just not good, right? Like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> they beat like, up on UTEP. Come like, on, man. They're just not good your best two teams are not good at all anyway i i don't have commentary besides that but they're getting overinflated place and i think in isolation or outside of the big the big 10 beating up on each other the big 12 is being more exposed as being just terrible that's this is what happens when you remove the Pac-12 Conference of Champions from college football. Mm. All of the ranking systems just go topsy-turvy because there's no Pac-12 Conference of Champions there it is. to take all of those spots. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's head to our, our first and only not a sponsor of the episode. Uh, Plum, uh, what do we got? Yeah, boys. Well, this week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Mike Leach. Leach. uh, Yeah. The current coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs and who is most well known for being crazier than a bag of cats and hammers is currently promoting a new book titled Purge the Malcontents. The 12-page coloring book is replete with lessons on team management and motivation learned from his years coaching Division I football. Leach, already a two-time author with his wife of the actually real Fat Little Girlfriend's Cookbook, (laughs) is tripling down on his knack for nonsense and general distaste of success. What better way to get your quarterback's eyes on the prize than to just kick him off the team? Receivers not catching the ball? Take away their scholarships and tell them to pound sand. After all, you can't miss the pass if the player's not there. Now that's logic (laughs) even Mike Leach can't disagree with. Purge the malcontents coming soon to a borders near you. <laughs> that is a deep cut, my man. Wow. Go, going straight for borders. Kind of needle in uh, that. Mm, tough. Tough. Let's, uh, let's head to a very brief, uh, no dumb questions, just top, dumb podcast host segment. Yeah. Because, of course, the segment where you are uh, encouraged to ask us a question about any sports lingo, concept, whatever, that maybe has just escaped you for whatever reason, and you didn't want to Google it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we would be happy to answer. 
this week, uh, and, and if you want to ask us, you can, of course, DM us. You can uh, connect with us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod and send us a direct message or email us at can't read, can't write 1855 at gmail.com. That's again, can't read, can't write at or 1855 at gmail.com. This week, the question is Was can't read, can't write without 1855 taken? Is that why we had to put 1855 on there? Indeed. It is was. there someone out there masquerading as can't read, can't write at gmail.com? Nothing. There is. There is. <laughs> there is. Jonesy, the no dumb question, only dumb podcast host question of the week. Uh, what is the nickel defense? That's a great question. Uh, and it's apropos of today's preview. So wow. synergy. Mm, uh, perfect. You heard us uh, talk earlier about the three-four versus the four-three. Th- Again, that's referring to the number of defensive linemen. That's the first number, the three, uh, in or the four, <laughs> and the number of linebackers, which is the second number. With eleven men on the field, that means there's a remaining four players that are defensive backs. That's your cornerbacks and your safeties. Um. The nickel formation means that there's a fifth defensive back. So you are losing either a linebacker or a defensive lineman in favor of a defensive back. Um, because cornerbacks and, uh, and safeties generally have pass responsibilities, you use a nickel formation generally in situations where you feel pretty confident that the opponent will be passing the ball. Um, to get in front of a potential follow-up question, uh, you'll also hear people talk about the dime package or a dime formation. That means instead of five defensive backs, there are six. Um, If you use the nickel formation when you're pretty sure your opponent's passing, the dime package is used when you're really, really sure that your opponent's passing. All right, follow-up question. Um, Yeah? What is the Buffalo nickel defense? Mm. That's a great question. That is... Uh, what you use when you are the University of Colorado without mm. Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. and there it you is, you can barely put a defense together. My god, you're a poverty program. Well uh, answered, and you're just you know, you just graze uh, out of the 50 yard line, sure. basically. Yep, yes, your defensive backs are just back there, just munching on grass. Yep, uh, all right. Uh, we have a second advertiser this week, and it is a new first time advertiser, hmm. huge. Um, Huge. This podcast is uh, diversifying. Indeed, if you happen to be out there and you want to advertise with Can't Read, Can't Write, get in touch. But this week, we are, of course, brought to you by, and of course, you don't know, it's Preserved Homemade. It's a goods and provision store bringing you the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Their website just launched, which includes their first drop of goods, uh, including a lineup of staple cookies, seasonal cookies, cocktail cherries, and pre-ordering for Thanksgiving and Friendsgiving pies. Check out their Instagram page at preserved underscore homemade or head to their website website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself to, or someone you love to some, some homemade goodness. That's again, Instagram at preserved underscore homemade or their website is preserved-homemade.com. And you and you might ask, where is this goods and provisions store? You know, where is it in the in the corporeal form? And the answer is, it's out there. The it's, wind will take you there. Well, it's let's be clear. It is somewhere, and where? Mm-hmm. Some may ask. 
mm-hmm. somewhere. Listen, it's somewhere. What 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 folks don't necessarily know is that uh, the hosts of this podcast have been treated uh, to some preserved homemade goods before, and I will make a personal note about how great I found the chocolate chip cookies, touch of sea salt, uh, the exact mix, exact ratio of chocolate to, um, I guess, other cookie part, uh, not, <laughs> not the most, uh, not the most. Uh, um, Anyway, I'm 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 gonna stop now. They're very good. No, I, no, I, no I you should keep going because this is news to other members of the podcast team oh. who have been apparently left out of the whole preserved homemade, uh, oh. you know, goods and provisions. I had I've no had idea. A, I've had a tres leches cake from preserved homemade. Okay, we need to move on. Oh. That was I had no idea that I was third wheeling this hard on preserved homemade. <laughs> I had no idea. That yeah, I've been we, left in the lurch on we, this. We've split the funds on this. This ad. Is it just because everyone knows that I don't care about food, so you left me out on this? I mean, we don't get to be as Maybe. slender as you, man. That's three star. The three slender star slenderman. All Three-star right, let's. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> preserved homemade. You can find them on Instagram at preserved underscore homemade, or again, preserved home dash homemade at dot. <laughs> Preserve-homemade.com for their website. Anyway, we're moving on to the Twitter questions, and we're getting out of this episode. <laughs> First up. That's, good. That's what the listeners want. They're just like, God, can we just get out of this episode? They don't even know. We've, they've, they've already fast-forwarded to this point. They've missed everything up until now. So you really Yeah, they've left us. Off. They're on the Preserved Homemade IG page. <laughs> we've lost actually, them all. Actually, honestly, we're not doing bad on time. Oh, so there's, you know, there's things to be, we got silver linings. This is great. All right. First question from Nick Kamansky. Right. Did you miss me last week? Jonesy? No. no. <laughs> Second question from Nick Kamansky. Plum, uh, what did you miss most about me? Who? <laughs> Greg, which players on Michigan's roster would you start for MSU? Which players on MSU's roster would you start for Michigan? I like the idea that Nick Kamanzi thinks we're just going to like put the two rosters up next to one another and we're just start drawing lines across. Um, I mean, because let's be know, honest, we don't want anyone who chose that garbage university. Yeah. Unless uh, they Eli Collins would be starting for U of M. I know that. And whoever we wind up with quarterback uh, would be starting for them. I'm pretty despite, sure. Despite the hype for Joe Milton. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, their fan base has just made up this whole myth and legend of Joe Milton in the last, like, three weeks. It's fantastic. As you did for the Shavier, as you did for McCaffrey, as you did for... I honestly, I don't know why they do this to themselves. Year in and year out, the fan base does this to themselves every time. I think it's. I think it's because they would rather be excited about something than, like, actually be happy with what they have. It's... Or do you think it comes from like a really insecure place uh, like th- of the Michigan fandom and like the fact that they've had nothing actually to be excited about for so long, but they have this like such inflated sense of self-worth that like, it's just like this rampant insecurity and everything must be fantastic because I like it in I spite think- of all of the evidence to suggest otherwise. I think this, the sense of self-inflated self-worth, self-worth is uh, much deeper and much larger than just sports. I mean, I can get into a whole systemic thing about 
Michigan. Anyway, Nick, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> Plum silent. That's consent. He agrees. All right. Last one. Jonesy for you. What is your favorite type of tortilla chip and why? Uh, so I've actually had some preserved homemade tortilla chips. Nice. And uh, I believe Plum has as well. I cannot talk about them because I actually there's a court order the last time I talked about them. I did things physically and bodily that are not permissible in most U.S. states. So, But seriously, uh, they were genuinely some of the best tortilla chips I've ever had. They might but have been the talking, best I've ever had. Seriously, yes, that's that's a fair assessment, though. If we're talking about type, right, not brand, not a place to buy, um, right. I would say type scoop scoop you gotta you gotta go with the scoop am i wrong gents i yeah, like the sure. wrong i like the triangle i like the flat triangle it has a nice it has a nice break in your fingers the scoop if you're gonna break a scoop it's gonna turn into 30 small pieces and then you're literally just eating the salsa out of the like cup of your hand which again i'm not above doing but it, it's a little <laughs> bit a little bit less <laughs> gracious yeah condiments that's where it's at uh let's move on to ct and tc we could have we could have broken up the michigan fans it is i just want to say listeners listeners i know you're out there look the first two questioners were effing wolverines yeah but then we get one two three four five six seven seven other twitter questioners so what are you gonna do it's fine we could have just put them up a little bit ct and tc Who's your favorite MSU coach of all time? No, no, assistant coach. Assistant coach. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I had a little burp action there. But yes, favorite MSU assistant coach of all time. Um, I'm going to say, let's split this up. One football, one uh, one basketball. Uh, Plum, who do you got? Uh, I would tell you uh, that uh, uh, Dwayne Stevens has got to be my favorite, um, favorite uh, assistant coach. Uh, for the MSU men's basketball program and uh, college. I'm going to say Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. Acceptable. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put a word in for my man, Mike Garland. I love some Mike Garland. Yeah, you're right. I like Mike Garland. Every time I hear something from Mike Garland, it's fantastic. Jonesy, what about you? Uh, So I'm going to say Dane Fife only because he beefs on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> which is very funny to me because Tom Izzo hates Twitter so much. Uh, but on the football front, I, I'm with Plum on the, um, you know, I mean, it's hard not to like some dues. Uh, the Harlan Barnett, I mean, he's been mm-hmm. around for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come on. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um Next up from CT and CC. In a normal year, how much time do you spend on Saturday watching college football? Important to say, in a normal year. Yeah. Huge uh, qualifier there. Yeah. Plum, how about you? Uh, normal year, I would say on your given typical Sunday, I'm probably putting back at least four hours. Uh, you mean Saturday? Saturday. I can read. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I will point out that it depends on whether you're going to your team's game or not, you know, because you have to dedicate a deal of time to that. So uh, on an away game weekend, uh, obviously I'm watching all three hours or three and a half or four hours of MSU football. And then I think usually the TV is just 
on and it's like snacking on football throughout the day. And then you sit down to something big is happening or there's a game that you really want to watch. So I would say in some total on average, we're looking at like seven hours on an away game weekend, maybe something like that. Probably. What about you, Jonesy? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think it depends a little bit on um, when is a team that is a rival that I care about, right? Like, I mean, there's between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, the, one of them is playing an interesting game. Or one of them has a score that is surprising. So if they're playing at a different time slot, I'm certainly watching the surprising game. You know, like a... A Michigan v. Appalachian State, if you will. I'm a little disappointed ah. that you left Indiana off on that list of no. uh, of rival teams. No, because we did down. Forks did, down, Indiana. We didn't get a question on this, but I think it's a worthy question of considering. Which I'm gonna I'm gonna chip in in a moment. But anyway, point being, I will I will probably catch an if we're playing at say a three thirty game, I'll probably catch half to a quarter of um, the the noon games and then i will ride through uh, yeah seven hours sounds right <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna catch uh, pack 12 after dark that's for sure but i will say at a game where i'm going to the game there's very little other football that's watched because yeah, we get it you i don't games i don't watch a lot of football for tailgate i know that there are tailgates that are like wow the game is on You're still but i'd like to dedicate that time to tailgate time personally so, um great love it Anyway, uh, here's the question I have for you before we return to CT's questions. Mm -hmm. If you could have MSU winning uh, games against uh, two rivals, so Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, and lose all other games this season, or win all the games that maybe you would say that it should four to five games this year but lose against michigan michigan ohio state and penn state by 21 points which would you take 21 total or 21 between the three 21 each the latter option you get crushed by each of them take the better it's better for the program to have a better overall record after year one Take Plum. How about you? I want to go back to two weeks ago when I predicted the exact scenario that you're referencing right now. (laughs) So I just want to be on record as having called it first. No, but which would you prefer? Oh, I'll prefer I'll prefer the latter, like like Greg. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. I I know. Yeah, you get crushed. It hurts. Whatever. It's a rebuilding year. I still want our record to be what it should be. So. Yeah, I I agree. I think Mark D'Antonio's first year was a. You beat who you're supposed to beat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Get like, us to a bowl Indiana, game. Yep. Indiana does not have a place in the conversation with us. That's Bye. right. Bye. Like, get out of here. Yes. All right. All right. We're aligned. Anyway, we'll we'll resume with CT. If you could go back in time and convince one player that transferred from MSU to stay, who would it be? Greg, I'll send this to you. Oh, there was a dude alignment that guy. transferred to to like Baylor and turned out to be a guy get drafted in the top 10. Uh, a lot of MSU fans will know exactly who I'm talking about, or maybe he was a recruit that decommitted at the last minute. That's different. Um, 
There have not been a lot of transfers, though, from MSU. I mean, it's very telling that this question came from a U of M fan. Transfer town, USA. Um, <laughs> I mean, our transfers come back <laughs> with a Connor. lot of frequency. Yeah, so uh, there have not been that many transfers that I'd... L- you know, that I was like, man, we really missed out on that one. But, ah, oh, what's that guy's name? Come I mean, back but, to me. But I think, I think generally speaking, we, we would agree, at least this podcast, that if you want to transfer, we genuinely wish you all the best. Uh, if We thank you for your time here. You are always welcome to be a Spartan. But, like, it's okay. Uh, I think he got dismissed from the team because he smoked too much weed. That's not, <sighs> that's, that's not, a, that's not a transfer then decriminalize it anyway moving on plum hot cider or cold cider that is a uh that is a seasonal question but uh in if given the option of the two i'm typically going to choose cold yeah i would agree that if there's booze in it i want hot cider otherwise cold cider all the time yes uh you know a hot cider and a spiced rum that's nice that's nice. Um, next up is John Hubbard. Uh, could you see Connor Hayward filling a role like Cordell Patterson, a big wideout slash running back slash special teams returner used as needed? Greg, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Connor Hayward has, it's pretty well established that he's got good hands and we use him a lot for dump off passes in the flat. Um that that's fine. I think we've seen him on special teams returning and the, uh, the end results were not spectacular. I think he's done at least a couple kickoff or punt returns in the past. And as you can imagine, because it's always like this, it's been underwhelming, but, uh, I think he's going to find a role. I think half of his touches are going to be non direct handoff touches. They're going to be, razzle dazzle plays or uh passing downs where he gets a you know he does blocking and then gets a dump off pass or something like that what what about you jonesy what do you think well i mean i i don't know i mean apparently he's transformed his body in some way um that's the word out of the coaching staff uh i've not been watching his his weight He did an interview, or I I don't know if it was with 24-7, or 24-7 is where I just saw it, uh, where I think he said he dropped like 10 pounds, which I know 10 pounds is 10 pounds, but it's not transformational. From (laughs) I I heard it described as transformational, and uh, but I mean, look, either way, he he got beat out for the role by a redshirt freshman. they would have been better off with him bulking up to play tight end. They should have had him put weight on. I'm happy he's back, but I just, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about a back that comes in for third down only because this isn't the NFL. And so if, if you bring in a guy in who's there to pass block or catch, I I don't know, man, like that's just tipping your hand in a way that, I don't think you want I'm going to trust the guys that we pay millions of dollars to coach use to play football. Uh, like we paid millions of dollars for people before to, you have to, admit. for, for D'Antonio's church buddies. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, regarding CT's la- question last week, uh, John Hubbard asks, 
about novelty offenses. How could Greg forget, Greg, this is for you, that time Michigan lined up its offense in single file in the quote-unquote centipede formation. The human centipede formation? That was my tweet back. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I do not forget that formation because YouTube loves to give me a video of college football trick plays where that is the uh, is the thumbnail. And it's got like 40 million views and I never click it because that's the thumbnail, even though I guarantee I would love all the other plays and that sizzle reel because I love me some trick plays. And because if it's actually of college football trick plays, MSU should be featured one, two heavily. and three on that. Yeah. Yes. Heavily in that thing. So um, I have not forgotten the human centipede formation. I like how it worked for them once and then it got blown up like every other time they tried it. Uh, next up from John Hubbard, Jonesy, any regrets with the fantasy football? I got John, we have to talk, man. Uh, <laughs> who's blowing up their stats on your bench, Jonesy? Look, John, uh, I'm glad you asked. I just want to let you know that I'm playing against someone this week who is barely engaged. Seriously. Okay. Bare minute. Hold on, Greg. Hold on. Let me I just say. No one cares. No one cares about this. Baltimore G- put 26 points on defense? 26 points on defense? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your team. Anyway. Nobody cares. All right. Next up from John Hubbard. How much of a townie is Greg? Can he name oh. the stacks in the middle of Lansing? Oh. Billy Goat and Gruff. Well, they are from like a children's story or poem, the names. Um, I know that they got named by the state journal quite in the same way that Magic Plum? got his, his Plum name. Uh, Plum is not a Lansing Townie, I don't think. <clears throat> and I, in fact, I'm not. <laughs> Do you, you know, know the names is? of the Lansing Smokestacks? I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I want to say one of them is Drow or dro or something like that they're from a, a childhood story that was not from not told to me when i grew up mm. because i i'm not originally from here i try my best but i'm not uh so no john i let you down i'm sorry you didn't let any of us down you're a champion no no he uh, let me up. down i didn't even get a single question on that round oh yes yeah honestly yes john not great not great uh next up the episode jerk guy uh, Plum, this one's for you. Is Grooch a member of any type of militia? At least two. Yeah, for sure he is. Uh, some are more above board than others. We're called the Grooch Crew. <laughs> I'll tell you, my application to join said militia has been rejected multiple times. I'm quite upset about it. Yeah, so you just run off and you get your preserved you've been, you've been, homemade you've been Gooch Crew. I'm just saying, listen, listen. A lot of the militias that I've been recruited to only want to fixate on trying to kidnap the governor, and that's really not my game. I'm really much more about grooching folks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a groocher, not a hater. You know. I so, think this tees up the next question that perfectly, Jonesy, for Plum. <laughs> I know. If the you're, answer, I know the answer to this question from college. Anyway, <laughs> do you have a go-to <laughs> sex move? <laughs> yeah, it's the dipping grooch, obviously. <laughs> The Grooch! The Grooch! 
And it is filthy. The dip and slip. The dip and slip. <laughs> I'll tell you, I got grooched a uh, time or two with the dip and slip. So it is a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. All right. The most important question from the Epidemic <laughs> Jerk guy. The most important question, which I'm going to take and I'm going to pass to both of you, is should MSU have some type of turnover prop? That is to say, a prop that they wheeled around when they turned the ball over. No, just get turnovers. <laughs> just just do the thing that wins games. Like, you don't need a prop. Like, it's the, it's the dumbest inspirational thing that I can think of. Does anyone have a disagreement or way to motivate excellent defense beyond just doing good at defense? We should all be self-motivated. The U, I guess, is lacking in this in this way. Plum, anything? I, I mean, they could. Yeah, I agree. The, a prop is not necessarily. Uh, I think uh, you could apply a little Greg Marshall style coaching um, as a way to remind them what happens if they uh, don't nail the turnover. So, you know. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dark cut. All right. Next up is Taylor Anderson. What's first? Uh, Plum. Uh, okay, so <laughs> will Jonesy renounce his coastal elite ways in a blatant effort to reclaim jilted pod listeners? <laughs> Taylor, no, <laughs> I won't. And by the way, first, what was it that you're drinking again, Jonesy? Oh, he means Willie Super Brew from Cape Cod. Oh my God, God. Oh, Cape Cod. God. This is, and he, oh my. Michael, we have a flyover audience. You can't keep bringing up Cape Cod all the time. Now, is that like a Mike Pence flyover? <laughs> Hello! It's number three. Taylor, let me just say a couple things. All right, look. Last week, I got, a lot, I got a lot of flack for this. Last week, I didn't say that Michigan's a bad state. I didn't even say it was necessarily bad at any one of the things that I talked about. Though, if you want to have a conversation about Michigan being good at wine, shut up. But but Michigan's a fine state. It's just there. The thing I said is the most Michigan thing that I don't like is the notion that Michigan belongs in the conversation with the coastal elites because it doesn't. <laughs> and that's all. So, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to back down. I'm with it. Yeah. Hanging in Jersey. That's a yeah, Wait, really strong position that you're you're oh, making these uh, well, arguments from. You mean to say that that Michigan's great at food because they put freaking chili on a hot dog? Yeah, that's better than anything that New Jersey has given to the food catalog. And I want to be explicit oh. that coney sauce is not chili. So if you if you if I have to explain that to you, you really don't know what you're talking about. And there are two different ways of accomplishing that. Yes, you know you could do it Flint style, Flint or you style. could do it. You guys are doubling down it's on a hyperior style. Thing that is just <laughs> he is a he's it's it's sad. I mean, it's sad what happens. Wrong. Sad what happens when you move to Jersey. Wrong. How many Michelin stars are there? Um, you know what? That's it, Greg. Listen, if you couldn't watch Big Ten football in a normal non-pandemic year, which conference would you watch in place of it, or would you just not watch? Uh, the answer seems to be just not watch because. <laughs> The truth is that I have been spending very little time playing football. In fact, I, I thought maybe we should add to this. There are reports that the NBA ratings are down 
huge. Now it's difficult because there's we went so from having sports to having tons of sports. There's lots right. of options right. now. Uh, but if you've watched those games, the play has been spectacular, but the feeling is just so different from when there's a live audience. And uh, I'm also wondering if there's just so much going on that people, we talked about how sports is escapism and how we were yearning for it. What I'm finding, honestly, is that I don't care that much about these sports generally. Right. Like yeah. I'll watch the ones that have my team in them, but like sitting down and queuing up some sports, I've had to make myself do it a few times. So I know you guys are mad at me right now, but I, I do want to. We're say not mad at you. We're just like, we can't believe how wrong one person could be. We're just disappointed, I, I say, Mike. I want to say a couple really quick things. One is that I, I do think you're right that like, A, you look at those games and they are they're different feeling right like it's it's not the same feeling literally watching them which is weird because those games have been really good the this this year's nba uh postseason has been fantastic and produced some amazing matchups but you, you're not wrong but it it, it still feels different i mean it, yeah. if you were to watch the you know, the last year it was the the scrimmage was between Michigan State and Gonzaga, right? The mm-hmm. you know the scrimmage that no one's supposed to know about. That's a that's a high tier matchup. And if you were to watch that with literally no fans in the stand, it would feel different. And and to sustain that across, uh, you know, weeks of of competition, and then have other sports that are also competing at the same time, it 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 would be very very different. Yeah. But so second, you also have the fact that it, you, sports is supposed to be escapism, but like we literally can't escape. <laughs> I mean, it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all wearing masks everywhere. The, the nearest our life is approaching normal is weird outdoor gatherings. Like, I, I just, I, I don't think sports is, you know, you, you contrast it, maybe the nearest, the nearest comparator is, is 9-11, and it's not even close to the same, because mm-hmm. that was genuine escapism from the fact that we were all scared about, all right, what's, what's, how are we readjusting our notion of what the world order is? Mm-hmm. And, and so, last... <laughs> We're also in the middle of an election year, which it, I'm not bringing this to politics in the sense that I'm going to talk about politics, but like it's a heavy freaking election year. Yeah. And so so you you tack each of these things onto each other and you look at the PGA's down big time. You you look at MLB's down big time. Like it's not just the NBA that's down big time. It just happens to be that the NBA is most vocal about social issues and um has probably the best competition of anybody happening right now. Yeah. But I, I think it's just people aren't watching sports. I think the SEC's down, and that's like diehard fans. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mean to hijack the point, but I, I just think it's worth saying it's it's a really nuanced thing that's happening, and the reductivism on why the NBA is down, I think is unfair. I wasn't even aware of this argument, and now I'm just not surprised that uh that it's out there hmm. uh, yeah that this yeah. is like 
NBA's too woke. Yeah, uh, yes. Sorry, I should have been more explicit about it, but yes. Like, I think that's a bogus argument. I think we're just all exhausted, and if the NBA was woke or not woke, we would still yeah. all be exhausted right. from life. It's exhausting. I mean... Do you know, do you know honestly, one... One thing that would cheer me up, one thing that would help me become unexhausted, yes. one thing that would help. Me. Oh, this, this is why you're on the podcast, Plum. This is why you're on. This is a professional transition. Give it to me, baby. Give it to me. If I had a can't read, can't write logoed shirt that said, I am Grooch. <laughs> that's probably the one thing that could reconcile, that could make up for, that could give. Bring the whole world together. Purpose to my life. <laughs> So, Plum, I, I have to ask, uh, because we had a listener, B-List, mm -hmm. who, who made us a logo that we were, I think, happy with, right? And Greg? we were ready to adopt. Yes. And indeed, it had Greg and I on it. Just just us. And now you We decided to table it until we'd rid ourselves of you. Right. <laughs> or to readopt it and just add one of us holding literally a plum. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I just was curious how what your thoughts were. Listen, I'm I'm open to all good ideas, and I always have been. But until until there is one better than an I am Groot shirt, I'm I'm not. I mean, literally, other than uh, Chad Henney rhymes with douchebag, I'm not sure what. <laughs> I'm not sure if there is a better T-shirt than I am Groot. So. Because you could make a, a Greg shirt that, that fits with that sort of theme, right? Like, you could make him look like a, a small tree. Yeah, there's um, absolutely no doubt in my mind. It would be really easy to do, given my body type. Um, okay. Uh, so, Raymond whoever, whoever wants to run the Can't Read, Can't Write merch store, we'll cut you in on that. Uh, but yeah. yeah. We, would, we would cut someone in on creating and running a merch store. But... Uh, Let's head to Raymond Chains. Uh, Greg, if I wear a condom, that is to say, Raymond Chains, if Raymond Chains wears a condom before going to Walmart, will that protect me from the virus? I mean, it can't hurt, right? I don't think we need a plum here to say uh, that it will protect you from some viruses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. You know what, Raymond? Best to double bag it, my man. <laughs> one over the Next. face, one over wherever that's uh, right next up from raymond chains do you think interest in msu hockey will seriously drop off this year with no attendance allowed based on our previous conversation moments ago i hate to say it but yeah yeah i mean i i, I don't I, like saying it at all right but I, I think this might be a case where the people that are into msu hockey are going to seek it out and find it so it might not be that serious a drop, but yes, yes, um, it will. Yeah, we 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 really need to hit Jerbear up. We do, we, we do. We got to get a hockey preview. Yeah, no, no, we we need to figure that out, and maybe just one of us books the, just does the the quick interview and not quick, but you know, adds him on, and um, we need to get Jerbear right. on. Now we're talking shop without. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, uh, next up is. <laughs> All right. This is this is the funniest question from Raymond Chains because it is one of two with no two of two. Uh, <laughs> this week is that true or did I just miss it? Did nope. you double check it? I I did not see a two of two. I double check it while I'm reading it, but God, I did not Raymond. see 
I did not see it come through. God, it's genius. I love it. One of two this week on the D'Antonio show, <laughs> Brad Salem invites the newly hair dyed tatted coach. That is coach D'Antonio to his house and lights up a joint saying there's more than one way to go green or driven on a fanatics quest to defeat all things Wolverine. D'Antonio foils the plot to kidnap the governor, which by the way, it was the Wolverine watchman who had the plot to kidnap the governor. That's right. That's right. Go blue Wolverine watchman. I do like the idea that that was, uh, that was Mark D'Antonio wearing a wire in that basement of a vacuum shop oh in God. Grand Rapids. Oh I mean, his initials were MD on the on the indictment. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take Mark D'Antonio, even though I do love freshly tatted up Mark D'Antonio because recreational marijuana now on sale. And he's, well, he's in Florida right. now. Is he full time? Did he get rid of his uh, his East My understanding is he's full time in Florida. Wow. Listen, you're the townie. You're supposed to be the one that knows when he's home. Yeah, have a, have well, I'll just go do another drive through White Hills. <laughs> see what the situation looks like. Um, Plum, I, I don't know that he lives in White Hills. I just assume that he lives in White Hills because that's where he would live. Plum, do you have a disagreement on this? D'Antonio foiling a kidnapping or do you think he uh, do you think in retirement he's just smoking a joint? No, he's definitely foiling kidnappings. The truth is often stranger than fiction. Uh, I love it. All right, last up from Raymond Chains. All right, this one is one that we're going to get into. My sports allegiances are vehemently green, but let's face it. Ann Arbor is a more interesting town for bookstores, restaurants, and attractions, isn't it? I still love to hate Harbaugh and snotty fans. I also know I just stepped in it. And now we're going to rub your nose in it, damn it. Like Yali in her diarrhea. Yeah, how's Yali doing? How's that? How was that? She's good. Trip? She's good. She only had to go pee, so it's all right. She's been trained. Um, she's been trained to ring the bell on the back door already. She's only 11, uh, 11 weeks old. Rings the door. Uh, rings the bell on the back door. So I have to get up. Whatever's happening, because I have to put her on her leash to let her go you out. Have to do it. Yeah. But it's the best way. Very proud. Very quick learner. And now I'm going to put a leash on Raymond Chains for trying to besmirch the good name. Of East Lansing, irrespective of how many grooches call that city home, that is no reason to say things like Ann Arbor is a more interesting town for bookstores, restaurants, and attractions. I, so I will give you. Brings up an interesting point, though, that East Lansing is filled with more national chains, right? It is certainly trending that way. And if you do a walk around downtown East Lansing right now, there are a lot of empty storefronts from former mom and pop type stores but, but what, are these, what, what are the attractions that he's talking about in ann arbor the first national the bank yeah i don't that, yeah there's no attractions i mean msu has wharton center and u of m doesn't have anything that comes close to what wharton center brings to town um so there is that like raymond chains if you're looking for the arts wharton center is far and away better than than what ann arbor has here's what i, I will say I have the opportunity to live wherever I want in the state and I choose East Lansing. And this comes from a guy that used to work in Ann Arbor. And if I was going to live there, I would live in Ipsy straight up. I'd prefer to live in Ipsy like legitimately than Ann Arbor. 
now part of that is because I don't have to worry about the schools or any of that garbage. But um, I think Ann Arbor, uh, Raymond, if you lived there, I think you would go through those bookstores and restaurants and attractions pretty quick. And then it would feel like any other town in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, So I mean, they do have the whole main street thing and then they've got Gandy dancer and then they've got, they're, they're doing a better job (laughs) of like years ago. It used to be main street and South U, and then just like, and Liberty. Like Liberty. Zone in between. I will say I do love Literati Bookstore. I really do. So I'll just say. All right. Here, here's what I'll say is that this the very premise of this question is also why my point earlier about coastal elitism is true. Because people in Ann Arbor will shout louder than anyone about how amazing their freaking town is. And it's not. It's garbage. You have trash food, you have trash arts. You have trash everything. Garbage. <laughs> Spoken like a true coastal elite. <laughs> Not wrong, though. Not wrong. Okay. Enjoy Moving your time. Moving on like Tom. East Lansing's better, man. East Lansing's a better town. All right. it, and it's... It, it's Unfortunately, Raymond is correct. It, it is losing some of its local feel to downtown. But yeah, but but I think East Lansing is is benefiting by a bit a a, a burgeoning resurgence in Lansing. I think in ten it's years, unfortunate how far apart Lansing and East Lansing are. Like if that whole Frandor corridor didn't exist, and it yeah, was just East Lansing, they need to blow it up. East Side but, Lansing. East Lansing, it would be a lot better. But uh, that's another podcast for another time. We're going to move on to Story Like Tom, who says, let's say you manage to get press passes. Why wouldn't we? Uh, to see a game this fall. Do you actually think it would be fun? Personally, sitting in my warm house on my couch with a beer and a mask and maskless sounds. And, and sorry. Come on, commas. Sorry. Come on. Personally, sitting on my in my warm house on my couch with a beer and maskless sounds way better than an empty house in November. Empty stadium in November. Uh, I agree with uh, sort of like Tom. I have no interest in watching from the the press booth. Uh, Feel free to disagree with me. It would be an opportunity to sit by somebody, uh, whoever's taking over Hondo, who's also rooting for MSU. But no, I, I mean, I would rather if I could get down closer to the field, then that would be a better scenario. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you could uh, if you could be like a family member, um, that would be one thing. So um, did, is there a question here about sitting in an empty MSU or an empty Spartan Stadium somewhere? Yes, it's related. Have you ever oh. been in the stadium when it's empty? That's what I thought. I was very fortunate to be able to go back to that rained out Penn State game. Oh, and uh, oh wait, I, well, so we've we've both been there. I've been there more than once when it's empty. Plum, I don't know about you. Plum's taking. He's oh, is Yali? He's dog parenting right now. Oh, I have been yelling um, at her. I am back in front of the mic. Oh, here we are. So she's not talking about the end of the fourth quarter in a blowout, though. No, so you had your wedding there. Mm. 
mm-hmm. when it was empty. I mm-hmm. was also there. I've been there another time when it was empty. I've been inside and, a couple times when it was empty. Yeah. And so I don't know if there's a follow-up question on our experiences there. Let's not ask that question. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, we all have been. Uh, sort of like Tom next asks, give me Halloween costume ideas for a two and a half year old. that can be all done right. on the cheap or free bonus points. It's a group costume with my husband and myself. Extra bonus points if you can include the cat some way. All right. Okay. Maybe you dress up the two and a half year old as Yali oh. and give him diarrhea. And then you and your husband dress up as Plum, just run around trying to take care of it. Is that a good costume? Yes. I mean, I don't have an objection. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What else can you do? Um, my, my problem cats, is I go cats, just make atrocious cats costumes. Mm. And then you're the cast of cats. Just do the, uh, make sure it's the butthole cut. Just do that. Butthole. All right. I don't, all it's right. We'll move on. Cut. Mama Maple Leaf up last. That's what you wanted, sir. Like Tom, right? That's what you were looking for. <laughs> What college football game from the past week kept your interest longer than one quarter? Does anyone have an answer to, answer to this question? Didn't watch a single I, game. I was keeping an eye on the Texas-Oklahoma game, but I was not actively watching it. Uh, but I was was doing it. Uh, uh, I was keeping an eye on it. Um, next up from Mama Maple Leaf, what building on MSU's campus would you like your name on? Ooh, interesting question, but I'm going to have to go and say um, maybe, you know, the Madison, James Madison College is thinking about renaming itself. So why not take care of Case Hall entirely? Mm, I'm going to take Student Services Building. That's the crown jewel of campus, the Student Services Building. Um, Has the International Center been named yet? No. And I don't think it will. I think it, do you not know about the whole uh, MSU government Vietnam thing? Well, I I do know that the SDS was uh, uh, spied on by the FBI, if that's what you're asking. No. So MSU. Okay, so that's not the headline? All right. No, MSU was sent uh, to prop up, help prop up the, uh, the, uh, like, marionette government of south vietnam for a period of time uh in Mm. spite of huge atrocities that they were committing against their own people um it was a problem and uh it was msu took the money from the cia that it was paid to do that and reduce its credibility and national standing um it took the money to do that and build the international center and build its study abroad program as a mea culpa. It was for a long time the most shameful incident in Michigan State University history. But and that they is honor um, that legacy by having a panda express there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's called the ick. Very good. Mm-hmm. 
Well, also, by the way, it's worth mentioning that the Students for a Democratic Society was vehemently anti-Vietnam War, and the FBI actively was involved in spying on them at MSU's campus. Hmm. Nice. Um, so uh, as much as MSU administration has a history of, um, you know, not being great, uh, the students have a history of, of quality activism that really enticed the FBI to use their peeping toms. To it's why John Hanna stopped being president, by the way, as well. Oh, wow. interesting. Didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'll take the International Center because apparently it has a terrible, disgusting past, or I will take the smokestacks that no one knows the name of uh, adjacent to the football stadium. That uh, one's gone. Welcome God. back to campus. Damn it! Fine. God. Case Hall. Case Hall. I'll take Case Hall. Guys, um, like, it's, you gotta get you back up here, my man. Gotta get you back up here. Yeah, next time I'm in Michigan, uh, I'm going to I'm going to East Lansing before anywhere else. Uh, Plum, do you, you have get a... Get yourself a brick from it. A nice smokestack brick. Plum, you got Filled? a building you want to have your name on? Yeah, the Cyclotron, obviously. <laughs> Next up from Mama Maple Leaf is Canadian Thanksgiving is today. So which dish is not your cup of tea? Turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, sweet potatoes, green bean, casserole, corn, cranberry jelly, or pumpkin pie? Uh, Plum, what's your least favorite sort of Thanksgiving dish? I think, um, honestly, of all those, the sweet potatoes, they never really did it for me. My dad, one year, in trying to kind of harken back to his childhood, made the sweet potato dish with all the mush, uh, marshmallows and stuff on it. And I found it to just be very, um, very cloying. Uh, mm. I, I am the person who, who loves the canned cranberry jelly that you slice, like, oh. and it's still in its gelatinous form. I, love i love it i it's like human cat food literally and i am the cat lady eating out of the dish yes um greg i'll turn this to you now you were telling me before we started recording that your mother-in-law makes some particularly atrocious dishes uh oh my god i was i was i'm always remarking that i i can't shut up about it how truly awful the green bean casserole is because what is a green bean bean casserole? What is that? It's delicious. It is delicious, wrong, actually. What's with like the with little you? I mean, this what is kind of one monster of those, are you? I thought you were from Michigan. Yeah. And I thought you guys, values were the only thing that mattered to you. This is a this is a great way, a great transition off of this question. Do you guys remember it at Spartan Stadium where they would be like, who's this player and what's that, their favorite? That has a mother-in-law that makes the worst dishes ever. Oh my god. Did, he can't, he's gonna just triple down on that. The players, uh, particularly those that are African American, would always choose uh macaroni and cheese as their favorite Thanksgiving it's, dish. It's not wrong. Uh, have you ever, I mean, it's three white guys on this podcast. Have you ever had macaroni and cheese for Thanksgiving? Never, but we do always have cheesy potatoes. Mmm, like an au gratin type of Not an uh, situation? No, 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 we use the diced potatoes and uh, potatoes. a lot of cream cheese in that dish too, I believe. Okay. No, you, you raise a fair point, um, but they're also not wrong. Right, like that is a that is a Thanksgiving dish, sure, and it is it is unfortunate. Look, I think some people call it co-opting. I would say cultural sharing in this particular instance. Mm. We need to share that tradition. 
Yeah. It's a f- apparently fantastic. I'm guessing this is a baked macaroni and cheese. Hell yeah. Right? This isn't going to be like craft, right? No, 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 no. Um, so I, I've always, you know, if anyone ever asked me to make something for Thanksgiving, I think that's what I would probably try to do. Find out what kind of macar- macaroni and cheese this is and like give it a shot because it's apparently fantastic. Yeah. That's uh, a great point. Uh, anyway, uh, I would just say that I think for me, it's probably the sweet potatoes, but back up is the cranberry. Um, so I don't know. Good Lord. Ooh. Um, anyway, here's the thing, uh, gents, we are at the end of the episode. And I think the thing that we want to encourage everyone who's listening to do is to vote. So you can go to vote.org to check your registration status. You can go to whenweallvote.org to check your registration status and to get registered to vote at either of those sites. In Michigan, I believe it's October 13th. Or no, no, no. October 19th is the registration deadline. So the time limit is coming up, but you have yep. plenty of time to register to vote. It's got to be this week, guys. Yeah. You're not going to get another reminder from can't read, can't write. It's got to be this week. Yeah. I I know we talk all the time about not being political and we're going to stick to that, but like uh, register to vote, please. So again, when we all vote.org or vote.org, either one, you can check your registration status or register to vote there. Please, 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 please register to vote. And then make a plan to vote. Um, either site will tell you how you can. Anyone got anything to add on that point? Uh, no, um, except for please do it. Please, please, for God, please, for the love of all things good and right in the world. And frankly, stop giving me a reason to be on the show. I mean, let's just, let's, let's go vote. <laughs> well, then, then we can wrap up COVID. Then I can get back to doing whatever the hell it is I would typically do on a Sunday evening. But just, you can please. run the can't read, can't write online store, yeah. run all of our drops, all of the I am Grooch merch. Just please, just please. And thank you. You know, honestly, though, it was in, we didn't talk about COVID once. It was kind of nice. Yeah, but it was on the periphery the whole time. Oh, you know, it's for sure. It, look, I wore a mask today. It, it's not absent from my life. It was just nice to not talk about it once. If we have a can't read, can't write merch store, do we have to cut in the Upper Deck Jerk guy because he came up with Grooch? Like, is he going to drop the trademark nope, on nope, that? Nope, nope. Cut that from the show. Cut it. Yep. Also cut that. Oh, there yeah. we go. Uh, all right. Anyway, folks, we want to thank you very much for listening. Again, please follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartans Work Pod. Share the the podcast with Spartans in your life. Uh, and with that, gentlemen, we are two Saturdays away. Go green. Go white. Go white, Jonesy, and plum. Oh. <laughs>